Episode of Hardcore Troubadour. My name is Brian Wallace. My name is Tyler Short. Uh, how are you doing today, Brian? I'm okay, man. Um, just the world continues to be heavy, but I'm uh, doing all right in my little corner of the universe. And um, yeah, just same old shit. How about you, man? Pillars of the Flower Man. You saw it. It's so fucking good. I gotta go, man. So <laughs> it's many good, so good, so many good uh, appearances by some artists we've talked about on this podcast too, right? Yes, they are both awesome in it too. Awesome. Jason Isbell plays such a piece of shit. It rocks. That's awesome. <laughs> he plays a complete scumbag, and Sturgill Simpson plays like, uh, like like a a, I don't know like a gang leader but like at a time when he's like a rodeo champion but yeah. at the same time he's like a moonshine gang like guy um obviously incredibly racist <laughs> obviously <laughs> it's uh it's pretty rough it's cool um I listened to uh the foreign policy podcast I listened to American Prestige they had a guy from the Osage Nation on mm. to talk about the movie, and he like helped. And he's one of the descendants of the victims. Mm. One of the guys who his and his descendant is brutally killed in the movie. Wow. Um, but uh, they had him on to talk about it, and like it really made me like the movie even more. Just knowing how much care Scorsese took into uh, making the film. Uh, I don't know, like representative and not uncharitable to uh, yes. the native voices and whatnot. It's very cool. It's very, very cool. I uh, Apparently, I found out it was a completely different movie before they reached out to try to inform mm. them on it. Because my dad read the book. I was talking to him about it a little bit. And uh, I didn't know this, but the book is mostly about the FBI. Mm. Like the book is because it's like 19, 1930s or so when the book takes place. So it's like J. Edgar Hoover's taken over and is like right starting the FBI, like essentially like making it into the way it would be for another what he did it for like 40 years or something. Yes. <laughs> Legacy is still very much alive. Yes. Yeah. But uh um so apparently like that's a lot of the books. So the movie was going to be that too. It was going to be mostly about, about the FBI. But then when they reached out and talked to Scorsese, he took the script back and reworked it for like 
six to nine months or something and changed the whole story. Changed who DiCaprio is going to play in it. Wow. He was supposed to play a completely different. Uh, Jesse Plemons ended up playing the character that DiCaprio plays mm. or that DiCaprio was going to play. And uh, yeah, it's pretty cool. Dude, I'm so happy to hear this because we just we have to plan these things this far in advance. We have we have babysitter Saturday night and that's our plan is to see Killers of the Flower Moon. Dude, um, you guys are going to be stoked. And especially, but, you know, we got a budget for that because it's longer than a normal date <laughs> would be. Yeah. So the but. sucky thing is, dude, I wish you guys had time to like go to a diner afterwards and like sit down because it's yeah. definitely a movie. Like we went to Steak and Shake afterwards and talked to my mom about it for like 30 minutes, 40 minutes. Well, the good news is I have the privilege of there's a fuck. It, this is why it's ridiculous how infrequently I go to the movies, but that's just, you know, my kid's age right now. There's a theater four minutes walking away from my place. You know what I mean? So we're going to like, that's why we can make this work and pay the babysitter because we're just going to walk over there, you know, and like sneak in food as we always do and then walk right back out. So um, I'm really stoked. Um, That's awesome. I can't wait to talk to you about it. (laughs) Yeah, man. Yeah, man. So Saturday we're going. Um, One fun, fun fact I heard, uh, De Niro learned how to speak the language. No shit. Yeah, because he wanted to be able to use the correct inflections. That's amazing. So he wanted to know what word he was saying, not just reading a line. He wanted to yeah. know what the words meant. And and so that when he's speaking out of care or or when he's being shitty mm-hmm. <laughs> or like uh, patronizing, he could put the right inflections on the words to... Uh, Yes. What a king. <laughs> See, that's what I'm fucking talking about. Because you reminded me when I was in high school, man. This is this is why he's De Niro mm-hmm. and I'm me. Right? Yeah. I did some acting, all right, in high school theater. We did Laughter on the 23rd Floor by Neil Simon, which is uh it's it's loosely based on like the writers of the Ed Sullivan show like in that period in New York. And there are a couple of characters, like one who like is from Russia. And then there's another that a friend of mine played that says several words like in Yiddish throughout, you know, like just the, like the, the classic, just kind of like, you know, I'll throw a few things out there in Yiddish when I'm upset or whatever. Mm -hmm. And he was pronouncing uh, one of the words in a way that I was like, dude, I don't think that's right. You know what I mean? But for, we were in fucking Olive Branch, Mississippi. So there yeah. weren't any Yiddish catch this. speakers around that mm-hmm. we could ask. And it's like the internet existed, but like, you know, this was pre like Google and things like that. So it wasn't super easy. And again, I was just like, I don't think that's right, man. I don't think you're saying that word right. But whatever, we did it. <clears throat> so we did the, the show there. No problem. We get invited to this competition at Mississippi State University to be for like a like whatever. So we're all stoked, you know what I mean? Because like, oh, we won an award. We're going up. We do the show. Of course, the head judge, fluent Yiddish speaker. And so... <laughs> 
game was like we didn't win and i know there were probably a lot of reasons but i keep saying i was like you motherfucker if you would have just There's learned how to at say least that one reason if you would have just learned how to say the fucking words the right way and not make us look like a bunch of fucking redneck idiots maybe we could have won this thing you know and then maybe i'd be up there with bobby d and scorsese right now no i wouldn't be but uh anyway that reminds me of that because that is dedication to the craft and i just I, awesome. I fucking love to i'm so excited man i love it's also at this point, right? Like the amount of interviews I've seen with, with Scorsese and stuff like that, and knowing that he is well beyond the time that he could have retired, never had to think about any of oh, this yeah. again. So you know that like anything- He wants this. Right. Anything he's mm -hmm. doing, he truly wants to put yeah. out into the world, right? So um, fuck yeah. I'm so excited to see it. And I'm glad it gets your seal of approval that it is worth the what? three hours 20 minutes or three hours 26 minutes 26 minutes yeah um so yeah no it's yeah, uh it's good and uh it doesn't even just get this straight white nails uh approval apparently uh people of the nation uh are are into it as well hell yeah love to hear they that. said it's probably the biggest budget film that's uh centered around natives in uh hollywood history that's amazing i mean i'm thinking of like what else we got like dances with wolves well and know, that was like, the thing like, was he he talked about that and he was like he talked uh this guy who's interviewed talked about dances with wolves talked about uh god i can't remember some film that little big man or something dustin hoffman was in i've never seen mm. it um and uh in last of the mohicans yeah and he's like all those movies have a white savior exactly like I, I was just thinking that <laughs> just like, a right. white villain yeah <laughs> big difference yeah, right very on. cool. Right. Yeah, he's, he also was like, and all those films are fictional. This one isn't. This one isn't exactly, <laughs> dude. That's so cool. It's pretty awesome. It's it's very cool. There's a multiple moments in the movie where my jaw dropped. It's yeah. it's very and for a long movie, it paced pretty well. I uh, that's awesome. I had to pee the whole last hour, and uh, there was not a single moment I could have got up to pee because every yeah. time I thought I was like, oh, kind of a lull right now. I wonder if I could make it. Someone would get shot nope. in the next 15 seconds. <laughs> you got to say, and that's where I, you know, I've, I've only seen one movie in another country and it was in India. Um, the first time Rachel and I went, so I was meeting a lot of her family for the first time and we saw, oh my God, now I can't remember the, the Joaquin Phoenix movie where he falls in love with the AI in his ear. Her, was that it? Oh, I've never seen that. Yeah, it's good. It's good, right? But so it was me, Rachna, and one of her cousins. Um, and we're just like looking for something to do one night that we didn't have any other activities. And it was like brutally hot. So it was like, let's go to the movies. Um, two things that happened. One, they stand up and sing the national anthem before the movie starts. Interesting. <laughs> I was not super into that. <laughs> <laughs> but what I and not because of India, just because any <laughs> rote display of that kind of shit, I'm like, oh God, don't give Americans any ideas. Um, but the thing I loved is like a play, there was an intermission. Um, oh, sick. And during the intermission, they've got to figure it out. Yeah, you can go to the bathroom. That's when they, you know, there are theaters here, right, where you can like order food or whatever, some fancy theater like Alamo Draft House and shit like that. But yeah. there it's like, you got time to either go to the lobby or if you want people come in and like, if you want to place an order or whatever, 
and then like get your food to you before the second act begins. Um, and I was like, this is so sick because I didn't, I always have to fucking pee and I didn't have to miss anything or like sit there uncomfortably. Um, to do that so shout Dude, out that's awesome i would i would sing the national anthem if it meant i got an intermission yeah it's where that was a it was i would was, salute nicole kidman if it meant i got it i didn't do that anyway honestly. <laughs> i was like it was a, it was a it was a fair trade you know i also i'm i'm much more enthusiastic about the national anthems of other countries than i am about ours just because it's like a novelty you know what i mean yeah like um like i tell when i go to baseball games i always like time it so like i don't have to fucking be be there and stand up because i won't and um then you that guy yeah and i and i i i don't think anybody would care but you never know you know what i mean and i'm just like i'm not trying to fucking get into it with some fucking bootlicker when all i want to do is watch a ball game so i usually just like time my shit where i'm like let me wait till all that bullshit is over and then go to my seat um but yeah. Oh, wait, did they do the national anthem? Damn it. I missed it again. Fuck. Yeah. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I no. I keep missing the national anthem. Fuck. Oh, there was an honor guard from the NYPD. Oh, oh yeah. Damn it. I would have loved to see that. How much overtime are they getting to stand on the fucking baseball field and hold a flag? That's awesome. Yeah. Um. Anyway, it's uh, Killers of the Flower Moon. A plus, man. I'm excited to see it. Hell yeah. yeah dude, it's uh, it's good. It's very good. This has been a uh, bad joke because I couldn't think of the Oh, Siskel and Ebert. And I, you know. One of those say, guys, is, is Siskel dead? I think they're both dead now, man. They're both dead now? Whoops. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know Siskel died yeah, a while okay. ago. And I knew Ebert, Ebert. Okay, yeah. I thought it was Ebert who went, went solo for a while. I thought it was weird Rod, when he just yeah. kept doing it like his Bowie didn't die. Went solo. Okay, this is just shows us, man. Roger Ebert died in 2013. Holy shit. And Gene Siskel. Yeah, he died in 1999. I knew he had passed away for a long time. But like. Yeah. So there are likely a lot of people listening. They're like, who the fuck is that? Siskel and Ebert were basically like the most famous I don't know. Would you say the, probably in pop culture the most famous like American movie reviewers? Yeah, with the, they're, like, there's, they're the only up. ones whose names I would know. And then there was that. Do you remember that guy with the big afro and mustache that would always be like on the Today Show? What was his name? Um, oh fuck! I do. He had a real weird voice. He was like yeah. a real high energy uh, freak. Yeah, he um, was a real freak. Fuck! I can't remember what was the other guy who did the movie reviews, oh. and uh, he's in. Uh, gremlins 2 he gets lampooned and killed by the gremlins fuck i know he, wait a minute first i have to tell you though the guy with the crazy hair and mustache from the today show gene shallot gene shallot there it gene, is gene shallot 97 years old still alive holy shit hell yeah good for him um we're gonna i just have to remember this too who was Leonard Malton? Leonard Leonard Malton. Malton. Yeah, because yeah. uh because he gave uh he gave Gremlins one a bad review. So Joe Dante had him come to be in Gremlins 2 and get killed. Dude, that's sick. And it's what a good sport that he came and did it. Yeah, it's awesome. Too. Gremlins 2 also goaded. Dude, I loved those movies. I we need been... Gremlins 3. That's what I want. That's all I want for my birthday next year. It's Gremlins I mean, 3. 
why not? People would be stoked. Um, yeah, dude, I used to love those movies so much. Uh, it's been a long See, time. I never, I never watched Gremlins 2 as a kid very much. I think I only watched it like once and it mostly went over my head. And then I watched it last year as an adult for the first time. And uh, if I wasn't already radicalized, I think I would have become radicalized. By dude, Gremlins that's a, it's both. There's radical messages in there about fucking corporate bullshit and all kinds of stuff. About he media. called Amazon. <laughs> yeah. And there's like so many like like clever jokes right like because i remember watching it as a kid and just being like the gremlins are doing shit and like causing chaos that's funny yeah but then like yeah like you said you get older and realize there's some like biting social commentary along with it they're not like minions you know what i mean so um but yeah Yeah, why do we we get minions why can't we get more gremlins shout out gremlins shout out phoebe cates um oh my god dude my heart (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> holy shit my childhood heart just ripped out of my chest Dude, fuck same phoebe cates elizabeth shoe my earliest crushes yo me too my guy miss adventures and babysitting dude are you fucking was, kidding me i was in love with her fuck me too dude dude she's so fucking cool she's so awesome i was so stoked when uh we watched the uh the first season of the boys and she shows up in that oh yeah um that's awesome. Yeah, she's a real piece of shit in it, but uh, it was awesome to see her still looking great. It's funny for is like how many movies have been made about Chicago and how many iconic ones there are. My main point of reference is always still Adventures in Babysitting. It's classic, dude. Like I'll be like, dude, I think is that is, is that the that, building where they're sliding down? Is that the body shop where the the fucking Thor dude came out? Like, <laughs> no, there's just a million of us. I know. <laughs> But I like to believe it. Um, uh, what a fucking great movie. great movie, dude. Great times. Great times. The 80s were awesome. Yeah. Speaking of times that are less great, the early 2000s, um, which I have yeah. nostalgia for for many reasons, but in terms of how shit was going in the US and a lot of the world, pretty fucked. Um, but thankfully, we had our man Steve uh, to provide a voice of reason and hope. Um, I'm really glad we've gotten it together since then, though, and everything's going great now. Yeah, I mean, yeah, all all came together. People listened to the lyrics to Jerusalem and, um, you know, laid down their arms, laid down their arms. We we turned our swords into plowshares and um, created a worker's utopia. And now we have time to like podcast and hang out and stuff and don't have to, you know, deal with the cognitive dissonance of doing this while, you know, people are being slaughtered all over. And uh, or losing their jobs for sharing, um, I was about to say political opinions, but really just like um, for saying, "Hey, genocide, kill children, genocide, not great," um, is enough for some folks to to lose their their jobs right now. So, um, yeah, it's uh, could argue that things have gotten only worse, but we're going to be talking about the uh, this is sort of our part two of just an American boy where we're going to be focused on the live record. Um, And in our last episode, if you were listening chronologically, we focused on the documentary. So obviously some overlap here, but we didn't really dig into the songs last time. And that is our intention for today. Yeah, we just talked about silly hats and uh, and different things that were visually going on, like the Alice in Chains music video during Copperhead Road. Dude, so funny. Um, 
I, I still I during Conrad Road that it looked like an Alice in Chains video. I that, it was, but yeah, okay. just like a different, <laughs> different production angle on every live performance. Um, just it, it was like you got some, you know, like iMovie first came out and we were going to use every fucking like filter effect or whatever. yeah effect what that you the, possibly uh, could what was the um the like the slideshow um fucking program that you would use in in middle school for projects and stuff i'm blanking on the name for it It was like a microsoft thing where you're you talking about like, powerpoint powerpoint yeah the last the last during i dude i haven't used powerpoint and fucking i was about to has like one i didn't have powerpoint when i was in middle school that's fucking crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't do anything on a fucking computer until That's I was fucking like... crazy. I mean, I didn't either. I pretended yeah. to, and I acted like I was getting better at typing. I wasn't. But... Shout out, shout out, Mavis Beacon for teaching me how to type. That shit works, dude. Dude, I still fucked. I'm still hunting and pecking, but oh, uh... I'm 120 a minute. I'll take on anybody right now. Yeah, but you got to use a computer for work. Oh yeah, all day. I'm just. LOLing into the universe. So, yeah, you hand me a RF unit though. I got it. I got. I can do some scans with Hell that. Hell yeah, thing. dude. We're gonna scan um, some fucking skews, man. <laughs> um, fucking. Uh, but yeah, the last song is, looks like a PowerPoint presentation. It's awesome. It really does. That's so cool. It is. Yeah. Oh my oh, god. Man. Yeah. We don't use PowerPoint anymore, but we use Google Slides, which is this the same misery. Um. And I spend probably half my day putting shit on there. So <sighs> thanks for the reminder. Hate that for you, my guy. My work, my work is pointless. Um, <laughs> but you know, Dude, I stock the same. I stock the same shit every two days, man. It's it's at least people get to eat and shit. I guess. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> Look, man, I'm just pulling one over on struggling school districts across the country. Um, but follow my program and you'll learn how to read. Don't I'm getting paid anyway. That's kind of how it works. So no um, child left behind. Um, <laughs> speaking of the early two thousands, <laughs> nice connection to our, to George W. All right, man. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, in, uh, in Oh three, before we get into it, you want to hear what Steve wrote for his little, uh, thing, which the packaging on this thing is insane. Also, I'd love to it's, hear is, is this, is this a double LP? It's a triple LP. Triple, I was about to say it's long <laughs> as hell, so it's got to be a, right. It's a triple LP, and this there's this little like insert thing I'm showing Brian, which is great, uh, great audio for a podcast. But it like slides. It's like got this thing that slides out or whatever. We'll have pictures on it of it on the Instagram at some point. I'll mm-hmm. get around to making Ashton take photos of this on her phone because it looks better than me taking photos on my iPod. Yeah, um, yeah. Let's wait. It's worth the wait. It's worth the wait. Um, but yeah, so uh, Steve what does said, Steve have to say? In July of 03, it's summertime and the living is easy out here on in the ugh, it's summertime and the living is easy out here in the big ass middle of America. I'm hanging on the back of the bus with one eye on the computer and the other eye on CNN while just outside my window, the crew has just opened up the trucks and the rig is going up. The war that supposedly ended back in the spring has claimed six British and six American lives this week alone and six more kids were wounded overnight by the time this tour winds down we will have traveled over fifty thousand miles since november of last year and along the way we heard the war drums beating from sea to shining sea 
At first, the voice of reason was tentative at best, but by February, there were simultaneously anti-war demonstrations in every major city in the country. The media reported that tens of thousands participated, but it re in reality, over a million people took the streets in New York and San Francisco alone. In Europe, the numbers were even bigger. A million in London, a million and a half in Berlin, two million in Rome, capitalized. By the time we crossed the pond in March, all Iraq was encircled with American firepower and the die was cast, but the demonstrations continued even after the bombs began to fall on Baghdad. We were in Oslo on the 19th, the home of the Nobel Peace Prize, and as I sat backstage somberly awaiting soundcheck, one of the local crew guys must have read my mind. He said, it's all right. We know it's not you. It's Bush. He's crazy, I think. I wanted to kiss him. Hell, I wanted to adopt him and bring him back with me so he could tell everyone back home that what he told me, that it's all right, that we're all right, that people in other countries don't hate Americans. They only disagree with the policies of our current, of our current government. Oh, and by the way, French fries aren't French. They're Belgian. <laughs> remember, remember Freedom, Freedom fries? fries? Of course. That was funny. That's a good line, man. What a crazy time that we Dude, lived through where people called French fries Freedom fries. A crazy time. And it's just making me think, like, again, the timing. One, July 2003. Shout out Posse Numbers. So three. Formative experience for me. Um, Ooh, headline that year. Uh, a lot of people. I saw, I saw Integrity. Um, I don't remember headliners. I just remember what was fucking dope. Um, my first time seeing Modern Life is War. Did Mental play that year? Mental played Mental every played year. Mental played right? that year. Was um, that the year they covered uh um Quicksand? Yes, I believe so. You know who oh, else played? Greg looks so stupid in the video for that video. He's that, wearing you know, like a medium t-shirt and a trucker hat. That was the dude. It was everybody looked like fucking Paris Hilton. Um. <laughs> Yeah, like very short, small, two small clothes, mesh trucker hats. Um, the the white belt, you know, was more of a metalcore fashion thing. But even in you know straightforward hardcore, there was still some questionable shit him. going on. Um, honestly, one of my most memorable sets for that weekend, sadly looking back, was Champion when they were at their fucking oh, peak. Yeah, that shit. Like it was my first time seeing them as well. Um, but this was my, I think this was my first show. Um, my first fest outside of the South. Um, my, That's sick. yeah, my friends, Jeremiah, um, Bill and Jessica, we just got in his minivan and we drove up, um, to Wilkes-Barre. Well, it was in Kingston PA right next to it. Um, but man, that was a fucking great time in the midst of a lot of other, terrible bullshit but it, it reminds me too right because those numbers that steve rattles off about casualties and things like that mm -hmm. are so small oh yeah right at the time and it was may 1st of 2003 was when bush stood on the fucking aircraft carrier with the mission accomplished sign behind him like as if it was like oh Classic. yeah we did we did what we we're going to do you know and not that we were going to be literally for the next 20 years um, enmeshed in, a, in, in pointless death uh, in Iraq and Afghanistan. Uh, so. Yeah. I man. think in it, the, even though those numbers are low, like the point he's making is that's been how many people have died in the, in the war that supposedly ended. Right. That's <laughs> all that's supposed to was over two months before 
this writing, right? Um, God damn it. And he won re-election um, a year later. So, yeah. Wow. And, you know, I think we've talked about it before. John Kerry, problematic as he was, an actual veteran getting out patriotized by a draft dodger as well. And he was happened. pretty anti-war too. Yeah. Like Kerry I mean, was like pretty vocally anti-war having been in it. Yeah, it was, I mean, it, I I wasn't like out campaigning for him, but I, it was definitely a big motivator for me to like go. And I, I remember on election day, because I was going to, I was going to school then and we didn't have like early voting or absent. I didn't know how to fucking absentee vote or whatever. So like I hadn't done it, mm -hmm. but so I had to like, after work, I drove two and a half hours to go vote for fucking John Kerry in Mississippi. What a fruitless fucking exercise that was, but I went and did it. <laughs> exercise in futility. That's awesome. Yeah, I know, but you know, I mean, yo, I hate to go there, but uh, John Kerry, pretty hot presidential candidate, man. And what happened, man? You know, his face was, got all puffed up okay, later. He was a, oh, yeah. I mean, I think it's just what happened. People just get old and, sw and just yeah. swell. DiCaprio, if, speaking of DiCaprio and Killers of the Flower Moon, man has swelled. He's a little bloated. He's a little um, swelly. Yeah, because I, I thought that too. John Kerry was very handsome during the 04 election. And then I remember when he was the Secretary of State, I just remember his face was like huge, but it, it it didn't look like regular swelling, man. Like it looked like something was wrong, like something happened. Maybe they but tried I, to maybe they tried to fix something and made but it worse. I, yeah, I never cared enough to look it up. And even now that I could, I'm not no, literally at I'm the not moment. gonna do that either. But uh, I guess shout out JK. What could have been? Who knows? A, a little different. Slight slightly different. <laughs> a um, little different. <laughs> yeah. We wouldn't have had as many cool, like, you know, no effects, not my president shirts and things like that. Um, I am curious, though, after if we'd only had four years of Bush, if we had had if we had Kerry for eight years. Would Obama we, have we, been... Obama wouldn't have had it happened. Probably not. And I'm curious, I, we would have probably yeah. just ended up writing to Clinton. Or yeah, or we no, would have ended, or or we would have ended up with McCain or something. It would have been like fucking John McCain or uh, Mitt Romney in 2012, some shit. Like it would that. have been Romney. Yeah, so it would have been um, Romney. Who knows? God, what a terrible country we live in. <laughs> I hate hey. it. I hate it because I even think of Mitt Romney like somewhat fondly because he's had like some opinions and stances on things that I'm like, oh, that's crazy. Like he's like very like pro like funding childhood care and stuff right because he wants people to have children um because my generation ain't doing that shit um you're older than me you did we're not <laughs> one one at 40 <laughs> um but uh yeah um but then i remember not only was he more is he mormon but he's worked at bain capital which is oh yeah completely Just, evil <laughs> the, the epitome of like corporate raiders like you know it's hostile takeover like you yeah. know just coming in laying everybody people walk, off people walking out with uh paper boxes full of the, all the stuff in their desk yeah yeah squeezing every last cent out of something ruining people's livelihoods in the process and then moving on to the next one like a leech um yeah and then there was also i remember one of the big things with him too is like that you know 
there was some audio from one of his fundraisers um, that now probably wouldn't raise a fucking eyebrow, but yeah, it, it was a big deal then when he's basically like, you know, was like saying like, everybody wants a handout, blah, blah, blah. And like talking shit about poor people. They all just mm-hmm. want something for free, yada, yada, yada. Um, and that, you know, that helped Obama just, just by him being like, people are struggling. It's not your fault if you're struggling. All he had to say, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, so it's, to me, it's crazy when people say like things like that. I know we're, we need to talk about this record, but when people say things like that behind closed doors, it's always crazy to me because it's like, so wait, so behind closed doors, you still don't understand how the world really is. Yeah. Or are you performing? It makes are you me performing think- like a private set for people for- who want to hear, who want to be reminded that they're right about things? Or do, do these people really not understand how the world actually works? It's in, it's an interesting question because, yeah, like who who among them really believe the like awful things that they say that that's truly like, hey, if people just fucking worked harder, everything mm-hmm. would be fine, right? Like that kind of shit or the cynicism of, you know, the the kind of person who one has the money and two chooses to use that money to donate to a political candidate enough that you can go to a private fundraiser is going to be somebody that like wants their ass kissed and like wants to know that like you are right and you are special they they deserve it they earned it yeah you get this time with me because you've earned it right like that's why you paid you know thirty thousand dollars a plate to eat bad iceberg lettuce and listen to some dickhead talk so um all my things are this is when, when I worked at a nonprofit, a couple of times I had to go to our um, annual fundraiser, which was nothing, to be fair, was very like child-centered, was nothing like one of these like political bullshit fundraisers. But still, I was like for the the the, 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 the class of people that like go to these things and are like, well, that it would be like half donors that were like, Hey, I genuinely want to help out and give money to education. It's a good cause. And half that are like, oh, this other rich motherfucker that I want to talk to is going to be there. So I'll give money and then would like lay into the poor, underpaid nonprofit staff member who was like making the fucking table arrangements for this dinner. Um, for not like sitting them close enough to like the, the powerful dickhead that they wanted to like talk to. It was like a real, I just, I was much happier before I knew that world even existed. Um, Oh yeah. No, it's, it's crazy when you realize how much money exists that gets passed around that. Yeah. And I could just think of so much more, so much more, not even beneficial stuff for the world and for humanity, but you like give that money but, to poor people, but, but like cooler <laughs> stuff too. Yeah. E- even if you, even if you didn't give a shit about another human being, like the amount of time they spend sitting in hotel ballrooms, eating bad food, it's like always shitty. Um, and listening to some asshole drone on like, I just can't imagine that that's how it's been my time. But I mean, these are different people than us, right? Because it's like, also, if I was 80 years old and a bajillionaire, I would probably like 
just like chill for the rest of my time on this planet instead of still trying to control everyone else's life yeah so clearly we're we're not we're not cut from the same cloth as these folks um but yeah it's uh yeah Mitt romney fuck you anyway um you know the the, he opens with america version 6.0 so i think this is good speaking of Mitt romney speaking of somebody who wouldn't have given uh the whole country health care um that's right yeah um pretty badass song to open with man dude it's it's like a slow and steady rocker to start with. And what I just know from the start, it's like Steve's voice with the Dukes, man, he comes out swinging. Oh he's yeah. Got, he's got the swagger, the confidence. And I feel like that's what, you know, as, as we've listened to like <clears throat> the, together at the, at the Bluebird cafe, right. For as awesome as that is for like the, the powerhouses of songwriting that are there in him, and uh and guy in towns man i've been missing him with the dukes fucking yeah. playing loud and this mm-hmm. is this is giving me that right oh yeah no for sure uh guitar is heavy bass is going crazy on the song um i will say this dude in headphones you can't do this with a single headphone just like you can't do jerusalem the cymbals are washed the fuck out in the left dude, ear you can tell that this was it gets loud better. as hell. Yeah, it does get the mix gets better, and you can tell. But I, like I noted that as well, this was loud as hell in person because you yeah. can he, you can hear the speakers like clip at certain mm-hmm. points. So I bet it's like it. It reminds me of like sound guy did sound check, everything was good, and then the drummer it, when when he's amped up, ready to play, he hits ten times harder so than he harder, did during yeah. the sound check, and mm-hmm. you know. I'm all guitar players are guilty of this. Everybody just, you know, went over and turned the knobs a little bit more since sound check. So yeah. So next thing you know, it's like and like you feel good, but it sounds fucking blown out to everybody out there. Which if you're playing fucking hardcore, who it gives rocks. A shit? It rocks. But in this, it's kind of like, dude, ah, that, that symbol's bleeding a little bit. But yeah, man, it's 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 swagger. And then dude, I love the 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 fucking uh the ending the dude the, the way sp- he dra- the way he drags out sucks though is awesome yeah. the way yeah. he drags out sucks before we get to the ending and uh i also like one thing i like you're talking about the attitude dude he also just sounds so fucking callous yeah singing this song and i think that is such a like the attitude is just so callous yes i mean and this is a dude who not it's- only badass (laughs) it's so badass uh he stands behind what he says obviously right but i wonder there's something in there about like i wrote this song for a (laughs) for a film and then after 9 11 the motherfucker won't call me back i've been have had my name dragged through the mud the last few months by you know this like pearl clutching right-wing media bullshit and so but i'm not backing down i'm like here to fucking spit right in your face you know Mm -hmm. So yeah, I'm going to open with the song that was rejected. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Fuck what you. a badass, dude. He rules. It's fucking awesome. But yeah, no, dude, the end with the let's go blow up Iraq. I, I mean, mean Iran. Iran. I mean, I North mean, Korea. North... <laughs> I mean, <laughs> Syria. I mean, Texas. So cool. Like that, that rule. <laughs> it's so cool. Dude, uh, God, speaking of God uh, fucking blowing places up, uh, did you... Did you uh, see the Hillary Clinton comments on Gaza? I did. This, this made me think of that. I was like, 
it just made me think about the Libya shit that we came, we saw he died. Like these people fuck. have learned they've learned they've paid zero consequence and they've learned nothing. Um, and people still ask them what they think about things. Well, and, and people no, and people ask them what they think and like cl- clamor clamor to be in their class at Columbia and shit like that. You know what I mean? So ugh, disgusting. It's fucking crazy. Um, Did you see the shit Biden said about the 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 it, the conflict? It could bring bring middle class jobs back to America because we're gonna have to I didn't, build the weapons. I didn't the, see that, but I'm yeah, it's pretty cool. I did read about you know like Lockheed Martin's stock going up. So yeah, it's fucking um, cool. I uh I I listened to something people were talking about uh the military Kane uh, military Keynesianism basically like how we can just like you well i mean it's it's what i thought we were going to do with ukraine Mm. when i was upset about us using that as an opportunity to make money in america Mm -hmm. um but basically biden's doing that or talking using that kind of language now talking about what's going on in gaza and it's fucking cool it's like we're gonna we're gonna we're going to build a, a middle class off of the Dude. war and exploitation across the world fun. It, <laughs> it It's so cool, isn't it? Um, but it, it also reminds me too, because like, you know, I forever w- with any warmongering shit like this, but particularly with Israel, like, you know, the amount of money we've sent over the last several decades the the 14.3 billion we're proposing sending now and it's like you got to understand yeah we feel that loss because like that's 14.3 billion of, of 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 our taxpayer dollars that we know could be spent on a lot of things that would make people's lives here and around the world better um they're not viewing that as a gift they're making money yeah you know what i mean like this it's a business transaction you know yeah. like this is so it's 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 nothing to sign off on like giving 14.3 billion to the to the israeli we're giving machine. that to um, we're giving that to american companies who are then That's right. yeah like giving the weapons to to israel it's fucking crazy i heard somebody call netanyahu a welfare queen the other day and it made oh, me laugh really hard absolutely i mean <laughs> my god yeah, and, and their country has universal health care for some, but well, yeah, but it, it, I'm like, of course, um, fucking there, there is also speaking of things that I think have gotten worse over the last 20 years, or maybe just we couldn't see it as much. Like, there's <clears throat> uh, there's a whole I, I've, I, I go on fucking LinkedIn sometimes, and if you never have done that, um, never have had to do that professionally, or you don't even know what the fuck that is, bless up because you are a better human being for it. You know, it's it's for for people with meaningless computer jobs like me. Um, I used to have a very meaningful job, and I think I'm thinking about going back really hard because this shit sucks. Um, but um, I support you in anything you do, my friend. Yeah, I got to I got to make it till next summer and then do some reevaluating, but um, it's a long story short, you know, like it's how people with computer jobs and shit like that network. And there is this strain of people. Yeah. I've got, I've got, thank God, man. I've got, I'll screenshot things every once in a while and send them to a few of my friends. 
because there'll be people who are posting stuff like about diversity and inclusiveness and messages that like on the surface, right. Are like, yeah, of course, like, no, we should elevate these like things like anti-racism in the workplace, all that. And then you click on them and you'll be like, this person works at fucking Lockheed Martin. You know what I mean? And I'm like the, the cognitive dissonance that it takes yeah. to like literally make your living making like rain, like making your living, making the things that rain death on other people that have caused amounts of human suffering like that, that, that it's impossible to measure that are doing that actively every day and to be sitting safely in your office or in your house on your computer posting about like, you know, anti-racist leadership. It, it, I just like equal opportunity destroyers, dude, it's the most dystopian <laughs> shit. Like I want to be cool. And I'm just like, oh. and I don't know, like that feels like something I, it, it's probably just, you know, when I was younger, I think I had a lot more control over who was in my life, like socially and professionally or whatever. And so it'd be like everybody I was around fucking agreed that that shit sucked. You know what I mean? Even though yeah. like we weren't making shit money, we didn't have anything to do, but like, it was like, I would never do that. Even my friends who were like, you know, good at science and shit, yeah. like they were never going to go do some shit like that. Yeah. Design and, a missile that's full of swords. Yeah. And now... <laughs> I find myself just because of like, you know, I'm connected to somebody who like went to college with somebody who both, who both, who both makes weapons that murder children and lectures other people on the internet about how they live their lives. I'm like, this rocks, dude. <laughs> it's cool. The best <laughs> timeline. Yeah. And don't see, don't see the disconnect at all. Like that is yeah, the power awesome. of, of the dissonance and the separation. Well, what um, you don't understand is with the missile that shoots swords is it actually minimizes casualties that are it, unintended. Dude, how many sh shooting swords at people, bro? How many American jobs were made? Because think about this before we could make the whole bomb in one place. Right. But now we're outsourcing. We've got blacksmiths working. We're, 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 <laughs> I'm I'm starting an initiative to make sure that like at least 50% of the swords that we put into this bomb were made by women. <laughs> that is the kind of shit they would say with a straight yeah, face. We always, cool. we would joke we'd send messages to each other and be like <laughs> I'm the I'm the chief diversity and equity officer at the Dutch East India company. Um <laughs> like it's unreal the fucking the 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 all all forms of washing that like you know not just capitalism but like warmongering war profiteering capitalism is is using right now um and I, that was just on my mind because i was i was having this conversation with Ruchna last night um who you know my wife who had just had dinner with an israeli friend that lives here now who is deeply upset about everything going on, you know, um, somebody who wasn't would probably not be friends with us, but like yeah. um, a, a, a great person. And like, she's from Israel. I'm from the fucking USA. Like we can't judge where we were yeah. born on each other. Right. Um, 
but we pillars were just of make- the flower moon, my friend. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We were just making the point of like, these people will look you right in the eye and say that 5,000 dead children is self-defense. Yeah. You know, like they'll, they'll, they'll fucking, they'll stare right at you and say that. And I just don't even know what to do with it, man. So, um, yeah, that we're one song in. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Sorry for the rant, man. It oh, just no, brought up dude, some shit I mean, for me. We 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 get angry sometimes when we talk about this shit because the songs emit emotions from you. They do. Um Ashes to Ashes doesn't really emit any emotions from me except for these lyrics are still hard as fuck and uh the song live feels so much shorter. It feels shorter. I love Steve the storyteller mode that he's in on this song really works so well live. Um, yeah. And the harmonica solo is sick too. Yeah. It's pretty good. It's, 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 it's a good live song. And at this point, I think the symbols get fixed. Yeah. But that that's like the speaking about like, that's the authenticity of the recording. You know what I mean? Is it's like, we're getting, okay. First song, the mix was a little fucked. I fixed it. Now you're hearing it. It's not like they went back and redid you know america again like that was just how it sounds um yeah that was when they were recording it on the board they were like oh the symbols are washy we'll suggest these and then the the rest of the recording was recorded differently (laughs) yeah that's it that rules yeah um the uh next section is uh our first uh talk track which is shouting for copperhead road really made (laughs) (laughs) you think think i'm I'm not gonna gonna play play that you you might not be awake when I play it. Is that what he's? I bet you ten yeah. bucks you're not going to be awake when I play it, though. Pretty fucking funny. Yeah, um, it's a back home. I've been acute. Was this recorded in Canada? I'm assuming. This... I would say maybe. Um, I because there's literally no there's no documentation in any of the the notes in here of where of the shows were, where any of them were. My assumption it just was says recorded all across. Uh, it says recorded live somewhere in North America. So I'm guessing Canada because he says down south things are yeah. weird and he's not just talking about like the American, the south. American south. And yeah. it, back home, I've been accused of being unpatriotic, which doesn't bother me very much because, you know, my definition yeah. of patriotism and the definition of my accusers are not the same. But so this must have been somewhere in Canada. Dude, when uh, when, when Steve mentions being paranoid and some dude says, welcome to America. <laughs> Yeah, that rocks. It was really cool. And he goes, I don't know about anybody else, but I promise you they're fucking watching me. And they very much were, at least at this time. Yeah. And he launches into conspiracy theory. Yeah. Which. And again, bass going crazy. Bass going crazy. And I say, like, I like, you know, we talked about this when we talked about Jerusalem. Like, I like the lyrics. Um, I like Siobhan Kennedy's backups. Um Feels this little... is the Garrison Star. Garrison Star. She does and... this and she does Emmy Lou's part on I Remember You. Dude. Uh I wrote, I wrote straight up, she could take in this drag to a whole new level. Like Dude. this is better than the Jerusalem version. She's phenomenal. Garrison Star also from Memphis. Shout out. Um actually Hernando, Mississippi, but got her career start in Memphis. Um, Hernando's a suburb. Um yeah, she rules. So like the backups are on point, but I just I'm contrasting conspiracy theory feels a little corny to me. Mm-hmm. And then 
when they turn it, tone it down and go into I Remember You and Garrison Starr does Amy Lou's part, it is perfection. Sorry to jump ahead. but Yeah, I'm no, like, I think it's, I think it's, I think honestly, I'm going to like one of my things with conspiracy theory is I think I low rent this song and on the live or, or when we were listening to the record, I kind of don't do that anymore. But this live version, I think, is better than the Jerusalem version. I do think it's better. It's got a different energy. Nothing against it. Siobhan, but uh... yeah. Well, that's Garrison's stars not only got a great voice, but also was able to capture an energy live that I think. Yes. On either track wasn't really there. It even, you know, I remember it's you. It's playful. Were... Yeah, exactly. It's playful. It's playful. And I don't think the conspiracy theory song's corny at all. It's not so much the song. It's the like. The music just it kind of meanders. To oh, me. I can kind of see that. I just, I think yeah. the lyrics are fun. I think the lyrics are. Uh, all right. I, I think especially considering that the conspiracy theories he talks about in it are just legitimate conspiracies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like Things they're actual <laughs> documented, <laughs> right? Yeah, documented fuckery. Um, I uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I really do like it. Uh, one thing I thought too on the conspiracy theory was the guitar is like kind of like even chunky on it. Yeah, like there's a few points. Yeah, go ahead. It's just it's just hard. It's cool. Yeah, there's a few points where they really like chug. It's like, yeah, it's sick. It's badass, dude. It's like it's like good to be back with the Dukes. Like I can feel it. But um, yeah, no, dude, the transition into I remember you is fucked. I love it. It's great. It's I was it's fucking I was cool. like smiling the first time. Like I remember when I was listening to it. I love it, and I mean, this is just a great song. Um, we talked about it on the Jerusalem record. It's like on the one hand, you can't top Emmylou Harris, but Garrison Starr doing the duet like made it her own. Mm -hmm. um, and it just sounds great. Yeah, no, it's cool. And it really just it really fucking works. These first like few Jerusalem songs on this on this record just come out hard. It's cool. And you can sort of tell like just I think how excited they were to be playing a lot of these live, mm -hmm. you know, which is which is awesome. Um, Shirts, Texas. Yeah, we go into this monologue that I want. I wonder how many times Steve has done this one. Um, I've I've heard it. I've heard the the shirts story a few times. I hadn't heard the Otto thing. <laughs> Great big square headed cowboys called Otto. Otto. <laughs> that should have made me laugh. the 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 low the the low key funny part is when he says shortage of names in the Guadalupe Valley. I guess. Yeah. That is like the real like that's the the tag on the joke, which Dude. is really, really fucking got me. Um my my takeaway from that was uh I think more people should get the shit kicked out of them. Yeah, same. I did, <laughs> I did, however, get this song out of the deal, but I don't think it was worth it. Yeah. Um when he goes into hometown blue. But yeah, but the, telling that story too about like how God, I forget how he says it, but like, you know, the police department were kind enough to give him a place to stay. Yeah. And you food. Know, food. <laughs> and they even and he, fed me. Yeah. He was able extracted a, a small, a small ransom from my father. <laughs> you know, it wasn't turkey and dressing, but hey, and he he got home before midnight on Christmas. So there you go. Yeah. Um yeah, no, uh hometown blues though, man. I'm glad this is still something he plays live. I agree. And it I just I have so much appreciation for the bluegrass dukes. 
too. Um, it's a great song, man. I just, and hell, we talked about it when we talked about the, the mountain. I, that's not the mountain. That's oh, sorry. Um, this is train of coming. Yeah. I was l- looking at the next the song as I the was next saying song this. The yeah. I'm trying to, but I, the older I get, the more relatable I find this song. Um, so yeah, it's a great one and a great version of it. The when he says, uh, ladies and gentlemen, notice at no time do my fingers leave my hands. That that was pretty funny. <laughs> Dude, he's I, he's he's got some dad joke moments on here that really, really shine. It's pretty good. I uh I also wrote this sounds so fucking good. Pro tools, my man. <laughs> Dude, seriously, embrace it. He really he really had it. Um uh also I wrote fiddles going off. Which the, uh I think the fiddle really makes this song. The fiddle was in, awesome. in, indeed going off. And I think I noticed the thing when they went from hometown blues still with um, like there was a build and I don't know what the personnel was everywhere. Right. Mm-hmm. But in the build from hometown blues to the mountain and then, you know, we'll talk Stevie's a speech and into Harlan, man, that's what the, the bluegrass Dukes are there for all that. Yeah. But you start to hear the rock mixed in a little more. Right. Mm-hmm. Like the hometown blues sounds the same, like just the stripped down bluegrass version, like the normal way to do it on the mountain. The rock comes in like the electric guitar is there a little bit. I um, didn't hear the electric guitar on the mountain, actually. Yeah. It, it comes in more subtle and then to listen a little harder then. Yeah. By the time they're on Harlan, man, it's just kind of like everybody's playing. Yeah. Um, it's just what I was hearing. Um, but man, it also still just makes me think about, I mean, this was oh oh two oh three. Still, how new to bluegrass Steve was, you know, yeah. not just with all this having just made that record a few years ago, but still having like mastered the art form already. Yeah, no, strange. dude, I I do think the mix on it is pretty well to make it sound like it's not recorded all the fuck over the place. Yeah, yeah, it does well, sound like a cohesive set, even if it clearly is like different bands at times right right and and it's interesting too because i remember i don't know what they were doing for this version but you know on when they show steve and the bluegrass dukes in the documentary they're playing outdoors in texas mm-hmm. and they're all playing into one mic yeah like they're doing the classic like just like everybody's gathered around kind of thing um which can be really hard to get a good mix out I mean, dude, of dude that's how when i saw del mccurry that's how they played yeah so that's that's how they played and that's how he played when he toured with them too when they, like with the footage of them playing farm aid together he's playing sick. he's One playing that yeah, yeah just every... the classic way um dude the mountain was awesome to see solo but like the fiddle and the banjo are like a necessary to push it yeah it takes uh, it to the next level mandolin too yeah it yeah. really like elevates the song in a way that like it was cool to see him play it live just to see the song live in front of me but it would have been cool if there were other people there to fill that void which speaking of i know he's doing a few more um one-offs in new york of the you know alone again like solo acoustic stuff like kind of almost like a monthly residency at the city Mm -hmm. winery um which is a, it's an intimate venue. Um, but because it's an intimate venue, tickets ain't cheap, man. So I'm, I'm going to try to convince Rutschner that we should go to one of them. 
Um, cause I, I didn't get to catch him at all on this tour and he's got three more New York shows coming up this winter. So I can uh, do it, dude. It's worth it. Yeah. I think it's worth it. Cause I've, and I'm, I bet I'm, he'll play different songs than I saw too. That's, that's what I'm thinking too. And I just feel like probably, I mean, I don't know. He does, he does a whole lot of solo acoustic stuff now because it's just easier, right. To travel mm-hmm. around and do it that way. But I'm hoping that after this, the next big tour he does will be with the band again. It better be. Um, yeah, I really want to see him with a full band again, man. Um, but yeah, I totally Miners. agree. Yeah, man, what a what a good monologue. That's um, awesome. It's good news, but it's really important to note that CNN had nothing to fucking do with it. Awesome, just yeah. awesome. Like, dude, I listened to uh, something someone talking about the other day, like how like how little we think about like miners being the reason we have anything we have any safety worker protections like oh i mean just the microphone you're talking into right now the computers that we're talking to each other through (laughs) no fact the shit that comes out of the earth that makes everything yes absolutely you're so right they make everything they 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 are the first the first line of production in so many things that we take for granted right and whether it's a you know unionized american worker in the hills of appalachia or more increasingly (laughs) like a slave a child um you know someone who's literally (laughs) getting the the fucking minerals that create consumer electronics you know while they're down there barefoot with no mask on um meanwhile these companies are reaping billions of dollars yep and i mean hell we all we all use it um, like it's it's the thing the, the the thing is like when you talk about like oh what can we do to like protect these workers and the f- immediate thing that these people think is like well we'll have to raise the prices and it's like no we cut your pay <laughs> yeah right <laughs> we cut your pay <laughs> but that's what that's, do you even do <laughs> that's how well they've got it rigged is that so many like you know the like that anytime even in this, like thinking about, you know, fighting for like minimum wage increases for like service worker. Or I remember, you know, h- how many other, you know, low paid employees when they would hear that like, oh, you know, this campaign to make McDonald's raise their minimum wage to 15 or whatever. And instead of it being like good, their response is like, oh. What do they even do? Oh no, Big Mac's gonna cost blah 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 blah. Like they don't, they don't even consider, you know, that the, the excessive the people. Yeah, that the executives right. could take a pay cut. Right, and it. it I mean, it was just yeah. like that's that's why they they've continued to win because they've that is what you know, like people can't even imagine a, a different way of being than just like well. Oh, you made them pay 50 cents an hour more. So now everything costs more. And their takeaway is that like, we should continue to pay people shit that they can't live off of. Um, Yeah. I I at least take like somewhat solace in like the UAW, like really in their strike, pushing that narrative of recognizing CEO pay. I think they made that very clear. Um, and that's more language I hear now is people talking about the ultra wealthy and how they need to be rained down yeah. so that everyone else can be elevated up. And that's right. 
that's cool. And that all comes around to Steve saying the people who really got it done were the union workers and the absolutely being willing to get their heads kicked in. For... Yep. Absolutely. United Mine Workers came before those guys. The machines that kept them on them. <laughs> Dude, literally everything you could imagine right here um, in this country. But yet, dude, it's such a good point too. Like when it's, whenever there's a thing, whether it's with a government or with a corporation of like, how are we going to pay for that? Flipping the narrative to be like, there's already more than enough money to pay for that. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? You just have to not take it. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) You just need to not take it all. But yeah, that's why they prefer to keep the conversation about, you know, another couple dollars an hour to workers rather than, you know, a couple of percentage points shaved off of an already outrageously wealthy person's, you know, compensation or even sometimes even just like the value of their stock and shit like that, you know? So um, it's wild, but yeah, this is called Harlan, man. It was so hard, man. Yo, you have no idea how jacked that was to hear drums kick in on this song. <laughs> Dude, that's what I'm talking Like, this is where <laughs> the, the, the worlds truly come together. The bluegrass and the rock. I um, think I literally said out loud in my car, driving to work, listening to this. Oh, fuck yeah. Dude. <laughs> I mean, you're... One, it fucking rules. Two, I mean, as a as a Kentuckian, you're legally required to go off for Harlan man anytime uh, bro like version one thing I wrote is I know my union is different than my grandpa's but I'm so proud to be a part of one and I'm proud of him for everything I know he thought and stood for what a fucking badass I love him dude I miss fuck, him fuck yeah shout out like shout out to your grandpa dude. my papa rock dude um but yeah and I mean I know he was you know train union but uh fucking it's all the same thing Dude, all, all the awesome. same. It's all I, about, uh, yeah. Yeah, I love this. This this song went on the playlist. Hell yeah. Love it. This version. I was, this live yeah, version. I was yeah. like, you know what? I need this. The the other version's on the playlist too, but this song went on the playlist as well. Yeah. Had to. Had yeah. to do it to him. It's fucking awesome. It's cool. If, if you're listening to this podcast and you've, and you've somehow listened to enough of them to know how much I love this shit, um, and you've never listened to this, at least listen to this song. It's cool. Yeah. Just go straight to Harlan, man. It rocks so much. Um, And then from there, dude, the extended mandolin intro. It's giving way less dropkick, dropkick Murphys in the, in the recorded version. Yeah. Yeah. I, Doc, totally it was, I was, I was shipping up to Boston. Yeah. And in in this, it's not, it's not giving that. I noticed the exact same thing. And, and I also, I was thinking about your comment last time. It was just so funny. Steve just being like, listen to how well I play this thing now. Fuck you. You yeah. know what I mean? Just like self-taught and just the like, it, you know, it, it's easy to turn something like that into noodling, but it's like, it goes on for just the right amount of time before mm-hmm. he transitions into Copperhead Road. And when people realize what he's doing, they're going yeah. fucking nuts. It's awesome. Dude, I legit like, I wrote, though this is not a favorite Steve track for me, Copperhead Road is undeniable. It's undeniable. Shit goes crazy. And I go, this is how Copperhead Road should be played. Don't ever skip any parts. If anything, make it longer. Yeah. You know? And then the other thing is that I loved is you talked about the guitars being chunky. You can tell how high they've got the gain up because when they do the, they feed back. 
mm-hmm. like, you know, dun, 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 dun. it's like a hardcore band, you know, like on the stops and everything. Oh, dude, there's crying. heavy feedback later on this record. It's yep. fucking cool, dude. It's badass. I, yeah, no, we've, when next time the dukes go on tour like straight up dude i will i will find a way to be at the same show with you dude we got to do it because yeah i i, I want to see it again so bad yeah i mean if, if he does another dukes tour we're there i'm gonna quit my job follow it around like the grateful dead sell grilled cheese in the parking lot no dude dream just, just take my son with me he'll hate it it's gonna be awesome um they, he goes from he's he's in some classics right now, so he goes from this into Guitar Town, mid loading the bangers. Yeah, yeah, it's which cool. I I appreciate. Yeah, there have been so you know Guitar Town is obviously ubiquitous. It's an amazing song. This isn't my favorite version, but it reminded me how much I'll always love the when he does the thirty seven dollars and a Jap guitar live and he goes watch watch after yeah. it like it's he cool. nailed it. Yeah, it's cool every time. Um, yeah. yeah, I wrote based on him throwing Copperhead Road and Guitar Town in the middle of this record. Steve Earle truly for the heads. That's right. Yeah, he'll just throw the hits in the middle. He knows you're listening to the whole thing. That's right. That's right. Like he doesn't care. No, he's good. He's and he's very much earned the right to play whatever he wants. Um, last time I saw him, I think he played Copperhead Road sixth. That rules. Or like, last think, time I saw him with the Dukes, he played at like six. I, I think he played Copperhead Road in the middle of the set when I saw him alone too. And, and think about how many artists for whom like for the rest of their career, and hey, this would be no shade. It would be totally fine. This would be the closer forever. Yes. You know what I mean? Like it would, They could play it twice. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> but like this would, like you you would have had a, a you've had a better career the 99% of other musicians, if you've got one song, that's right. That, that that's that big. Yeah. Um, but he's got it to where he can just throw that in the middle of the set. Um, it rules. Um, and then we go into what I call the death penalty suite. <laughs> oh <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, he the, gives... I, I oppose the death penalty track is like, it's cool because it's like a, a coalescence of everything he's ever said that's right about it right here in like 40 seconds <laughs> my government's supposed to be me and i object to me killing people yeah like there you go it's you awesome know? this uh this brought up something i've been thinking about too um when it comes to like the government doing things and especially right now with everything going on in the world like i've i heard someone talk about how like like leftists we are we can be so we can become so like anti-american that Mm. it's also like an american exceptionalism because we assume that like everything we've ever done is wrong and everything Mm. we will ever do is wrong so everything we can do like we shouldn't do and that like i think like kind of infected even like my idea when it came to like why i spoke up about the ukraine shit the way I did was because in my head, I'm like, well, all we've ever done is make things worse. So like, how can we ever make things better? Forgetting that if we took out the profit motive of a lot of these things or the like the punitive motive of, you know, the carceral state and all these different things that we, we have, we could maybe build like 
a better thing. Like the government could like just like send people to rehab or do like rehab centers or or like, you know, there are certain people that just have to be locked away forever because they can't stop killing people or whatever they did is just a danger to being around people. Mm -hmm. But what we're doing right now sucks. Yeah, man. But we could do it better. We could. You know what? And that's such a good point, too, because it's I'm reminded. That's a great point, Tyler, because I'm reminded, well, one of like if we become cynical about everything, they've won, right? Yeah. If, we, if we get to a point where it's like, we cannot imagine a better world or things being better for everyday people than they are, then, then they've won. But two, you know, that, that just like everything that originates or, or is from America is a bad idea. That's how you end up with people like, you know, fucking caping for like the communist party in China. You know what I mean? Just shit like that. Which- do some things well of course but what you'll you'll see you'll see like a right like an american tanky like making excuses for you know the like uyghur concentration camps you know what i mean there's no excuse for that dude right and i'll be like no no no. this does not have to be a black and white well if they are an enemy then i must think everything they do is good we are capable of nuance here um and uh i say that that's a hopeful statement. We are capable of nuance, but most, at least online discourse shows otherwise. Um, but yeah, I think that's a, it's a great fucking point, man. And like, it were even just shit, like he'll talk about it later. So I don't want to get too far ahead, but when he mentions like governor George Ryan from Illinois, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Um, Some people that, can be heroes in government, right? Yeah, it's possible. And it, it changed lives and alleviated suffering um for a lot of people you know the decision that you know a powerful person made so it's a yeah, just a, it, it, it takes someone being brave and then people who are above those people supporting them that's right rather and, than rather than when uh nancy pelosi walked over and made aoc cry on this on the floor of the house until and then made her vote on something Yes. And exactly. everyone goes, what did she say to her? Because she, I was obviously in tatters afterwards, which I'm not saying AOC is perfect, but she tries. She absolutely tries. She <laughs> tries and she's put up with more shit than I could handle for sure. Um, but like just a, a reminder that at the end of the day, if all of these inequities were created by human hands, that means they can be dismantled by human hands. You know, yeah. like, so. Um, I've said that on stage before. Like we we've uh, everything we have and we do was an idea made up by humans. So we have the ability to do something different. I mean, except for like the stuff that aliens and lizard people and reptilians yeah, yeah. and shit did. But, you know, that's another thing. We only get into Xenon right now. <laughs> I think that's the I think that's the Scientology guy. I think so, too. Oh, man. Now they're going to come after us. Um, so he does over yonder. Jonathan's song. And I think the thing I note about this man, you can hear a pin drop in there, even with yeah. you know, n- knowing how raucous the crowd could be. You hear people uh, get a little like, woo, when they realize Billy Austin's coming in. Right. But like when he, like it, it is, it is very quiet during over yonder, which is just a God, what a sad, but beautiful song. Yeah, I wrote beautifully um, performed, but again, this song really bumps me the fuck it out. Is, I mean, it is a, it is truly like, you know, 
dark with a purpose, right? The harmonica is nice though. The harmonica is nice. But you know what I noticed that I've, I guess it's like always been there, but to your point about the crowd's reaction when he goes into Billy Austin, man, the the the, the percussive chords at the beginning are so iconic. Because, you know, it's not just the chords at the beginning of Billy Austin, but he kind of like, he kind of like yeah. hits the guitar. Oh yeah. And he plays you in two. You can punch it. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a little like percussion underneath the guitar strings mm-hmm. um, and just lets them ring. And then like, it's, it's like a call to attention. Right. Yeah. Um, I really love that. No, it's very cool. When it, for Billy Austin, I only wrote one thing. I wrote mid-loading the hits and mid-loading the most depressing songs. It's one <laughs> way to do it, man. I mean, that's what they, I, I, you know, it's it's different with different styles of music, and obviously, like in hardcore and punk, when you're playing much shorter sets, it's a different thing. But like, there really is to keep people's attention really well for like the length of like a fucking rock concert. You know what I mean? When you're playing for like two hours, you gotta really be conscious of the timings of like where you're gonna put the fast shit, where you're gonna put the yeah, slow the pace down. And I think obviously Steve's a pro, knows how to do that. Um, well, we're, we're sticking though with like the acoustic shit for a little while here. Um, so he goes from Billy Austin into South Nashville blues. Um, I'm also like realizing when, um, like there's, is there anything off El Corazon on this? Oh no. One song. There's two songs actually. There's nothing off of, uh, transcendental blues on this on this live record mm, is there not yeah i don't think there's a single song I, I was just realizing like like today i think i was thinking about everything he's played off of of his previous there's nothing off of exit zero and it you know there being nothing off of exit zero doesn't surprise me because of how much he's trying to well wait no he plays over yonder that's off transcendental blues oh it is for but some d- reason i thought it was on uh no, over yonder's on Jerusalem. It is. Pretty sure. Wait, isn't it? No, I thought it was the last track on um, Transcendental Blues. Maybe you're right. Let me. Look. Yeah, man. No, I'm. I'm thinking of. Uh, yeah, no, no, you're right. But that's the only song he plays off of that. Which, considering it's like the last studio album before the one he's touring yeah, on weird is, crazy is, is right weird yeah yeah like yeah but no well then then there's one song of transcendental blues one song off el corazon one song off guitar ten and one song off copperhead red yeah that's crazy he knew what he wanted to and there's do, man. so many songs on this yeah i mean it's it's just, i don't know that was just something i noticed literally like today i think yeah i mean he knew he wanted to heavily feature the Jerusalem, which it's interesting because even though it's like he's touring on this record, there's 11 tracks on this record. He plays one, two, three, four, five, six. He only plays six of the 11 tracks off Jerusalem. Um, I say only, but like, you know, he still only played half that record. Um, yeah, it's, just... it's, it's, it's a weird, it's a weird mix of like, I mean, only a couple songs up. I feel all right too. So it's I don't know. It's just it's it's cool. It's a cool record. But like, I I am excited to talk other live sets just to get like another smattering of songs. Yeah, 
I agree with that. And see like what those mixes are like. But uh, but yeah, South Nashville Blues. <laughs> the only thing I wrote for this is I cannot overstate how catchy the mama told me, papa told me to line is. It's unreal. Yeah. Yeah. It's so catchy. That, it's that so part catchy. rocks. It's so catchy. It's such a cool song. <laughs> yeah, man. I totally agree. Um, Wait a minute. No, I, you had me think. He do, he plays two songs off El Corazon. He plays Christmas. He plays Christmas in Washington, and then it's where he had first done the cover of the Fort Worth Blues. Oh, so I mean, you could count that, you know, not this, but that's where he first put it. So I'm counting that. Yeah, no, you're right. Anyway, yeah, but South Nashville Blues, it rules. This version rules. Sorry um, to derail us and then just be fucking wrong, but we're going to be wrong about something else on this, which I'm excited to talk about later. Oh, we, great. You already know something we're wrong about? I know something we were wrong about last episode. Okay, good. I can't wait to hear it. Um, so then we're going to do some, some town shit. Is this your favorite thing on this? Uh, No. Have we have we gotten to your favorite thing yet? We dude, I didn't even pick a favorite. No, I'm trying to have a have a thought of what thought I, thought, I, I took a swing and I thought this might be it because it's close. Um no, but it's not. Okay. Yeah, we have got we have we have gotten to it though. What was your favorite thing? My favorite thing was first song i love really america just america right out the gates yeah because i think it's a just the swagger that it comes out with plus the like the 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 little let's blow up iraq i mean iran i mean north korea yeah no i I support it that was my favorite song on the on the record so i i i can't i can't i can't say you're wrong right now you're right for me but not right for this record for me yeah have we gotten to yours yet? Nope. Is it Christmas in Washington? No. Okay. Fuck. We'll get there. All right. We'll get there. But yeah, Rex's um, Blues into Fort Worth Blues, dude. This is my favorite town song, period. Full stop. It's so good. And I was just before listening or re-listening to this record, spending time, and I hadn't really before with the Live at the Old Quarter um, Towns record, um, live in Houston. Um which Rex's blues is on. And uh, so I, I love kind of like having that still in mind mm-hmm. and hearing Steve do this one. Um, and the transition from Rex's blues into Fort Worth blues. Beautiful dude. Phenomenal. I, uh, I will say like, I think one of the reasons why this is my favorite town song is because it's pretty and it's one of the more hopeful of his songs. Yeah. Which really like, the lyrics in this song I I very much identify with. The tell my friends to mourn me none, like that's how I feel about myself. When like I'm gone, like I hope people are just like, man, he was funny. That was all I really want people to think about. <laughs> was like I was fun. You that is one of the many things people will remember. I um, hope so. Yeah. If that's all sure. people remember, that would be fucking awesome. Oh yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, you won't be around to have to hear about it anyway, so. Yeah, so if the people don't think of that, <laughs> fuck off. <laughs> I think um, we can all agree. So yeah, he, dude, that, 
transition those fucking chef's kiss. It's it's beautiful. Um, we've talked about Fort Worth Blues. This is an excellent version. And Steve's see you when I get theirs. Even when I know they're coming, they always get me, man. Right in the heart. You yep. go, Towns is maestro. Mm-hmm. Justin is cowboy. Like, goddamn, man. Anybody that's ever lost anybody, it's just a oof. Gives me all the feels, man. Fucking honored, dude. Yeah. It's absolutely. fucking it's it's very fucking sweet. But yeah, um now we're into John Walker's blues. I only have one thing and written about this. What did you write about it? Um I can't believe how well this song works live. <laughs> it works so well live. And I here's I, I wrote two things really. One is I love that he went into it without a big intro. Because yeah. I think I bet the temptation was there. You know, this has been the shit that for the last however mm-hmm. many months was all over the news and blah, 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 blah. And like, I think people knew he was going to play it, but I like, it would have been understandable if he would have given like a little monologue before doing this. Yep. Nope. He just goes right. Just into an American it. boy. Yep. I love it. Um, it works so well live. And then the Arabic with a Southern accent that I loved on the, on the record. I love even more here. Um <laughs> Because it's there's just something there about like I'm not a hundred percent sure how to pronounce this, but I'm not trying to do perfect pronunciation. I'm trying to yeah. like sing it like I would sing it, mm-hmm. which is like what I'm an American. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I did like Arabic is not my native language, and so this is this is how I'm gonna sing. <laughs> there is no God but God. Like it, it, it was really like yeah, perfect. yeah. Hate when he does the reggae songs. Even though he does them the same way he sings his regular songs. You know what, man? That's a good point. I, I'll, I'll I'm going to keep on, trying to poke holes in your in your. I'll hate think on that. And honestly, <laughs> honestly, though, maybe it's because it's also in English. And I'm just like, what are you doing? And if I did speak Arabic or was Muslim and knew prayers in Arabic, I would be like, oh, God, what the fuck, man? Don't do that. Um, but. Yeah, I like this, and I don't like the reggae songs. So there you go. Okay, well, I'm gonna keep trying to poke holes in this. <laughs> Please do make that make that your mission. Um, um, we're straight into Jerusalem, though, dude. Uh, the only one of the the only thing I think I wrote for this was uh, the way this starts. I it really sounded like the replacements for a second. It sounds huh. like can't hardly wait. It does, doesn't it? <laughs> I just yeah. can't wait. I was expecting you to say right tomorrow. <laughs> You're waiting for the horns to come out. Dun, dun, dun. What a great song. Yeah, it's an awesome um, song. But it yeah. really sounded like it for a second. Yeah, I didn't make that connection, but now I can totally hear it. Yeah, I was really just like, I love I love putting both of these songs back to back in a set list. Yeah, no, it's fucking um, awesome. Um, also something I didn't notice before, but I think hearing this like rock and roll and live, I hear like Tom Petty in this song, which mm. I'd never heard before. Like midway through, there's like some guitar that I'm like, huh, this yeah. is like upbeat and fun. And I, I just think of this song as hopeful, but now it's like kind of fun. <laughs> yeah. Like it, which is cool. That. Yeah, you don't really get that feel on the record, but it does come out like that here. I totally agree. Right on, man. Um, yo, is the unrepentant your favorite? No, but this feedback rocks. Dude, the feedback swells leading in. Let's fucking go, dude. So good. 
let's fucking go. That's what I wrote. I wrote, let's fucking go. I think it's a statement to do John Walker's Blues, Jerusalem, and the Unrepentant. Yeah. Back to back to back. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty bad. Like all it very well planned. Like I, yeah. I really appreciate that. Yeah, this this rocks. It's like we're turning it back up. The guitars are like out of control. Feedback is swelling. It's awesome. Yeah. I, one of the things I wrote is I'm glad of the songs off I Feel All Right that could have been here, that this is the one we got. Yep. Which I guess we got more than one, but hell yeah. Wait. Did we already go over this? Am, am, am I am I was I wrong about that? Is there another song? Oh yeah, South Nashville Blues. Yep. I don't think of South Nashville Blues as being an I feel all right song. I think it just vibes more like a like the hard way or something. It I mean, I think we're I still think a lot about the version of it from the Helen Back live yeah. set. So yeah, I can see that because it feels hard way because you just feel like it's a very Steve at a, at a low point kind of song, you know? Yes. Yes, very much. Um, but yeah, I guess he couldn't have written that song until he got better. That's true. Yeah. Cause that is a song about writing about looking back on that time. And when the hard way he was still in very that much time. in it. Yeah. But yeah. Absolutely. Xmas in Washington, dude. Um, listening to this at work on Thursday made me cry. No shit. Mm -hmm. It's awesome. I I wrote first the first thing is who else could make a 5 minute intro not boring at so all cool. his his just playing the intro, the 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 intro music and his speech about his heroes is legit 5 minutes long and yeah. it doesn't drag for a second um, I will say there's one I do have one issue with one of his heroes which I thought was awesome on a different song but in the way he talks about him in this i also like i've like listened to a bunch of things like dissecting the new left and like how that all fell apart in the 60s and 70s you talking about abby and, hoffman yes and i don't <laughs> know if i like abby hoffman actually he's i a... think he said cool things but the thing he says that that Steve quotes him on, I think is, I think is in retrospect, a mistake. Hmm. I remind, think. Remind me what he said. Well, in the, um, a government stood up against its own army and said stop, and the government in the in the army stopped. Yeah. And well, what we did though was we took away the draft. Yeah, I was about to say so that, that none of these hippies would be mad anymore. Because they yeah. wouldn't be forced to go to war. And mm -hmm. I still think that was a mistake. Well, because we still have plenty of cannon fodder. For, I think that was the realization. Oh, we don't need this. Yeah. You know, like we can it, get idiots to volunteer for this. Yeah. It, and that's a, that was that was the thing. There no, were, no offense to veterans. Well, there were there was enough. <laughs> Trump gets away with it. Why can't you? Um, yeah, I guess there, there was enough. Um, I right. like my what, what what did he say? I like my soldiers not captured or yeah, I like, I like the ones my... that weren't captured. Yeah, fucking yes. Call, call, calling the 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 wife of a soldier who was just killed in action and being like, well, he knew what he was getting into. What the end of the line for literally every human on earth except Donald Trump. Um, what I was going to say is like you're so right because with the draft, there were still enough very wealthy, very privileged people who are affected by it, who obviously went to great lengths to avoid it. 
right? Mm-hmm. From, you know, via using their connections, colleges, things like that, faking injuries, doctors, all those things. But also a lot of people who weren't quite at that level where they had like a university in their pocket or whatever, but still were like, not the class of, you know, like folks who would normally be fucking cannon fodder. Um, And I think, so yeah, it wasn't, you know, you're right. Cause it was like, I would correct Mr. Hoffman and say like, they didn't do this for, for anyone's benefit, but themselves like they didn't do it unless they saw a benefit for themselves yeah they they kept it going as long as it as long as it until it was untenable dude it's a similar argument to how um there is a chance i mean and this is not to like equate these things in any way but where i've seen people make the argument that like chattel slavery as it existed in this country you know even if it hadn't been for the civil war would have eventually gone out of fashion yes you know what i mean like um because people were getting nicked about it right and that's not and that's the thing like folks so folks giving that up the same way as the you know government gave up the draft in the 70s was certainly not um out of benevolence or like the the goodwill it's just politically and economically like there was no longer a need for it is where it comes from and like also like so much of like it it all it kind of harkens back to um to America 6.0 and him talking about sellouts too like the way I kind of feel about Abby Hoffman was he kind of sold out progress for incrementalism and yeah. like and that's like it's certainly a way to get things done but but you're you talked like you're a revolutionary <laughs> and revolutionaries aren't for incrementalism they're for radical change yeah i uh there's uh an economist i i i listen to uh sometimes uh david harvey um Mm -hmm. and he he has a lot of i've I've heard him talk about the civil rights movement because he lived it and one of the things that he talked about which is why going back to conspiracy theory why king died was because King wasn't interested in social justice as much as he was interested in economic justice at the end of his life and was talking about the economic bill of rights and wanting that and which isn't a race thing. Yeah, <laughs> that dude, has dude. nothing to do with your race. That has to do with your class. Right. Recognizing that it would elevate the, the black working class and well, the, underclass. Right, that's the thing like when it was <laughs> When we're just talking about civil rights from a from a racial equality standpoint, it riled up people in power in the South, right? When he started talking about the poor people's campaign and the rights of workers everywhere, it was a threat to the ruling class everywhere. Yeah. Right? Not just in Southern states. Yeah, not just so, the people who sound racist. <laughs> right. Exactly. It wasn't just George Wallace anymore. You Like, it yeah. was... You know, so I, uh, but yeah, David Harvey, he's, he says something that, that I, I've heard Gil Scott Heron comment on similarly too, which was when given the choice between economic justice and social justice, the government said, we'll give you social justice. Yeah. Do, this is how you end up all these years later with an employee at Lockheed Martin. Yes. Talking about their diversity. <laughs> diversity <initiative>, <laughs> right. Yeah. That's exactly. It. Yeah, exactly. 
it's it it's it's you gave up you gave up helping everyone in your in your uh with your plight to you get to have a seat at the table now mm -hmm. and you're gonna it's trickle down economics in a different way yeah <laughs> it's i'll 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 speak for you at the table but you're not getting anything but the scraps still right I'll, I'm, I'll... He, they're getting that meal though a leg up for uh, enough of a of a small representative sample of a different group uh, to one to give cover to the powers that be. They're like, "Well, look, here's a black CEO. Yeah, here's a woman. Here's a gay person. You know, like all those things." And so I mean, long as they pledge allegiance to <laughs> right, it's the it's it's the joke that you know we can't take any credit for, but that is just like so relevant when it you know it's just like, uh, you know the you know hundred hundred richest people in this country contain x percentage you know control x percentage of the wealth rid of the others and like the democrats response is like and 50 of those 100 should be women yeah right so rather well, than rather than questioning uh, why should anyone have that amount of wealth um it's like no let's just make sure we've checked a few um identity-based foxes there while others suffer Fucking hell, man! Yeah, um, sorry to derail us about Abby Hoffman. No, but it, is, it is cool what he says about uh, about everyone else, though. Yeah, and I mean, shout out to Joan Baez again. We we talked last time about spending some time with her work, and I still haven't done it. Neither. But I would like to. I'm I'm um, holding us to account that we still haven't, but yeah, I'm call, I'm calling I'm not calling you out. I'm calling you in, Brian. We're that's gonna... right. Thank you. <laughs> I needed to be called in. Um, man, we do some wild shit over here on the left, don't we? Um, <laughs> it's fun. But yeah, no, Christmas in Washington, though, it's a really good, it, it, it legitimately made me cry. Like I, it, it, it really makes me sad, but then at the same time, it really makes me hopeful that at some point we'll get another Woody. Yeah. And I mean, beyond that, man, it just speaks again to Steve's power. This is a 10 minute long track between, between the monologue and the song. Normally my eyes would be bleeding, but I was, yeah. I'm, I'm Dude, here for the whole thing. It even slows down at the end. And I think yeah. that's cool. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I agree. And this late into the record too. Yeah. So, yeah. No, attention's still there. Yeah. Bold move. And then, uh, and then straight up, this is my favorite thing he says the whole time. Is the democracy thing? It's is there a particular particular lines in here? Because I wrote down a few of them. <laughs> I it's it's more or less the whole thing. I I just wrote a few. I I just wrote anti-war always, <laughs> dude. And thinking about that, like I opposed this war from the beginning, and I still oppose it. How actually like he is one of a very few. Yep, we've talked about this right. Looking back twenty years on. And how almost all of them, even the people who were beating the war drums the loudest, are like, well, yeah, but we were wrong about this, whatever, and suffer no consequence and, you know, bear no accountability for for the millions of lives taken and ruined over this whole thing. But yeah, I mean, there were millions of people in the street talking about how they didn't how they didn't want it. But there were a bunch of people who were like, yeah, go get them, get them all. Dude. And I I mean, and it was everyone on the news. <laughs> that's the thing. Right. And it was a, every, everyone on the news, regardless of political party you know, whatever, like, you know, false left, right binary they were part of. And I mean, I, I'm a fucking tiny, tiny fish in this whole thing, but as another person 
who opposed the war vocally from the beginning. I was fucking called names, physically threatened, called a terrorist, all the other things. And one, it's like, this shit's happening now. Again, if you dare suggest that indiscriminate bombing should not be uh, an unacceptable response to what happened in Israel, um, the same things happen. You're called a terrorist. You're called an anti-Semite. But knowing, too, like if that was my experience in my little corner of the world, that happened to so many people. Um and so many careers suffered, livelihoods suffered, all of that for something that you can look back on 20 years later. And now everybody agrees they were fucking right. You know what yep. I mean? So um, it's just, it's, it's, it's wild to have it here in this time capsule. Um, I saw something the other day, uh, some Dill Hole House of Reps de- uh, Democrat was... Uh, Dill Hole, I love it. He's... He's a, he's a dill hole because he's running against Biden in the primary, and I've never heard of him before. Um, or he's not, well, I guess not in the primary because that's not started yet. But he's campaigning against like Biden for the the Democratic ticket, and I'd never even heard of him. So he's obviously like trying to sell a book or something. Yeah. But some girl went and you know questioned him on you know his comments on the current situation and he gave you know the you know we wouldn't need to reduce civilian casualties blah 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 or whatever and um and this girl gets like heated yelling at him and he's you know getting upset by being yelled at because that sucks but Mm -hmm. you can you you have the power to just say you know what you're right (laughs) at any point in time you could be a human being um but at one point like someone's some like like you get the vibe like everyone wants this girl to shut up and just leave but then he says something in response like 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 about like you know whatever the bombs whatever and some guy yells and you realize you're like no there's actually people here who are pretty happy with this guy getting yelled at right now but Mm. some guy yells they're u.s bombs yeah and that's the problem like like that's that's the problem right now it's that whatever is getting dropped over there it's it's we're making it literally and that's the problem. Like if that's we problem, weren't making man. it, then we would be able, then we would just be protesting like every other country. Unfortunately, the way we have to protest is because we're doing it. Well, that's the, I've, I've, we're aiding and abetting. I had a I had a, a a friend whose opinions I deeply respect. You know, who was like, you know, this might be one of those things. You know, I've heard so many outrageous, dumb opinions about it, which true. Like maybe, maybe Americans should sit this one out and I'd be like, I ain't sitting it out as long as the money that comes out of my paycheck is paying for this. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like we have a, <laughs> have a very vested interest in this man. Like yeah, we, not we just... live in an anti-democratic society. If we lived in a democratic society, we would be able to vote on whether or not we wanted. Yeah. What we want to use money, money to be spent. In this exactly. Yeah. You know, like, yeah, I, I, we did not consent to this and we were not consulted on this and. All um, we can do is yell at our representatives. <laughs> so, so that's what we'll do. Um, but I, I also pr- appreciated too, um, uh, in this particular speech, you know, like Steve connecting, wanting all of the troops that are in harm's way to come home mm-hmm. with also like respecting and honoring victims' families. And you, when you're opposing the death penalty, right? Yeah. Like you can, you can hold these things. I can, you know, 
fucking honor and elevate the voices of people who had something taken away from them as I also advocate for, and our response to this should not be killing the person who did this the same way as fuck the war, but I don't want <laughs> any of the soldiers who are conscripted or forced one way or another to go there. Like to like that is, yeah, the most support the troops thing you can do is say, I want everybody to fucking get the fuck out of there and come home safe. Um, and that is still the message that resonates today. Um, yeah, so, I mean, yeah. I can't remember what, what one of the resolutions that was proposed recently, like, was so vague um, that Thomas Massey, the the rep from Kentucky, yeah, yeah. who sucks, he sucks, yeah. but he uh, he opposed the resolution on the the um, the Israel funding because it was so vague. It looked like we could send American troops into the conflict. That's right. Yeah, and that was him pushing back on it and saying, no, 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 no. Yeah, this is not clear enough. Right, like um which oof. yeah that's 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 fair we sh you, you know i i again back to uh everything the government does is bad is like an unhelpful opinion to have because i do believe that like militaries can be used in positive ways to help prevent genocides or prevent harm i mean we sure as hell didn't do shit to help darfur when that was happening we could have <laughs> Yeah, like given I mean, even a lot of that was just incredibly messy and we kind of benefited from the way it played out. Um, I mean, it, it, yeah, the the history, that's the thing. It's just hard to match like the, the history of U.S. military intervention literally since the liberation of concentration camps, you know, has been all has, downhill, has been all downhill. Right. Yeah. Like they're they're ever since those moments in, you know, the the 40s where like you know could be argued that like there was nothing that could stop the nazi war machine except extreme violence um to you know like liberate people who the nazis had destined for for murder um and had already murdered so many millions like ever since the, i think that's just the thing so we have these to your point we have these examples, but now we're going on like 80 years since at least the U S military has been used in that way. Right. Yeah. Um, I like mean, we, and there's, we, we, we shit on Cuba for a time to, since time in memoriam, but Cuba sent their troops to do very positive things. Dude, Cuba sends their, Cuba the sends their, their doctors to yeah. do positive things in the world. Like, yeah, it, absolutely. And those are volunteer troops too. Yeah. Well, we're we're running late on this one, but we'll have a talk another time about the gusano that you got into it with. Uh, yeah, that's a... a long one, but yeah, <laughs> but yeah. Well, you, so um, anyways, this democracy speech. You got any more on it? It's great, but I want to hear what you've got. It goes well. It, yeah, it goes into this cover, which we're both stupid, and we thought this was Justin's song, and this is not. Justin's song is the last song. We Just, thought this 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 is a cover by um Nick a band Lowe. well it's originally written by uh this group uh fuck what no it's i had thought i had only heard this as an elvis costello song yeah but brinsley, Schwar brinsley schwartz is the i think nick Lowe covered it too oh i thought nick Lowe wrote it 
No, I don't think so. I'm 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 curious now that I'm I'm having to because I'm realizing the Let's the see. Discogs uh investigation I went on might have been wrong. Nope, Nick Lowe wrote it. Nick Lowe wrote it. The okay, si- I haven't single, heard his version of it then. The single was by. Oh, Brinsley Schwartz is the name of the band. And Nick, Nick Lowe's the one who wrote it. Nick Lowe wrote it, and when he was in the pub rock band Brinsley Schwartz. Dude, I started listening to this band. It's pretty fucking good. Dude, pub rock rocks. It's like if you like, you like Cox Bar. You know what I mean. You're gonna find some shit you like in it's, pub rock. It's pretty fucking cool. Like, not not gonna lie. I'm 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 into it. I've been listening to it for a few days. But yeah, so we thought this was Justin's song when we talked about the documentary because we just didn't realize this was a cover because we hadn't looked into this yet. Yeah, this is my favorite song. It's a great song. I mean, there's this a covers re- awesome, dude. It's so it's been, and I I just now looked at the Wikipedia. It's been covered extensively. Yeah, like the most famous version is Elvis Costello mm-hmm. did, but like tons of other people, including Steve, now, and it's become like, and I think a lot of people would associate it with like a, you know, '60s like more like Woodstock generation kind of like vibe, but it was written after that. Yeah, um, this was like a '70s song, I think '74 is when yeah. it was written um yeah. it's fucking awesome dude i love it i just also uh i wrote i'm an idiot i'm an emotional mess and i started crying singing along this on singing along to this on the way to work overnight on friday dude so a lot of tears with this record for you dude it's made me cry multiple times i it, this is awesome this song is uh really brings my feelings up because i think that I, I want to hope for a better world, you know? Hell yeah, man. And it's in, in addition to being lyrically such a positive song, it's also just a, like a fun rocker. Yeah, it definitely rocks. So, but I don't know. I just think earnestness is something that needs to be like elevated rather than shit on. It's certainly an earnest song. And and Steve is very earnest. So like mm-hmm. that, that speaks to him, his decision to cover this song. But so... To get back to the earlier discussion, you would recommend Brinsley Schwartz. You listen to some of their other yeah. stuff. Okay. Yeah. I'm listen check to, it out. I listen to, uh, so there's nothing on streaming that is like a full album. It's all like collection stuff. Mm-hmm. But this album I listened to was the one that starts out with, I think Country Girl is the first song on it. Surrender to the Rhythm. Um, Country Girl, Surrender to the Rhythm. And, uh, Fuck, there's another song on this thing that really fucking got me going. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, it's good, dude. It's really cool. Listen to it. Nervous on the Road. Nervous on the Road fucking rocks, too. It's, it's it, you know, every song's not great. It's kind of beatles Yeah. But, I mean, the pub rock thing, so they're from England. So there's, like, some Beatles. There's some, uh, there's definitely some Who in it, too. Um, But it's cool. It's, it's like, legitimately cool. I, I like it. I'm i've got some of the records saved on discogs in case they're ever uh cheap enough for me to decide to put it on the shelf that's awesome i love that yeah steve earl putting me on to shit he's um, always doing that he's always doing that i think it's funny too that the well not funny but like it's another one of those things i just checked it really quickly the elvis costello's version of the song what's so funny about peace love and understanding has um 14 times as many streams as 
the original version. Original. So yeah, my band has more monthly listeners on Spotify. Short. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Shorts, which is fucking crazy. Well, maybe you know you could take them out the next time. You know, you go like you know, give them a little, give them a little. I think I'm gonna steal a lyric, honestly. Dude, you totally should. Shout out Nick Lowe, great songwriter. Yeah, um, fucking awesome, dude. But yeah, um, it's great, dude. I uh yeah, I just think there's nothing wrong with earnestness, and this is very cool. There's definitely um, not. And you'll be happy to know Nick Lowe still living, 74 years old, still rocking. Good for him. Fuck yeah, man. Yeah. I salute you. Um, but yeah, the the end though, when he's fucking introducing the band is fucking funny. The thing he says about uh Kelly Looney is awesome. 1988 and still always late. I know it's so great. It's so great. Um, Also the old, my oldest and tallest, my oldest, I wrote that down. My oldest and tallest son. So cute. From Nashville, Tennessee, Justin Earl. Rest in peace, man. And rest in peace. And I mean, it just feels too like ending with time you waste. Like, what a song what a song and it's wild that like so this was 17 years before justin died and yet when i listen to it now it feels like a memorial yeah you know what i mean Good, well because this is the first time i've ever listened to it honestly right same but i i wrote down like i've been listening so this song and i've i i fucking love rush um not Limbaugh, the band, mm-hmm. um, which is, you know, a real dork thing. A lot of people yeah. have strong feelings about Rush. They have a song in their often overlooked 80s period called Time Stands Still. Um, and Amy Mann does some beautiful backup vocals on it. Not unlike kind of like Siobhan Kennedy's work with Steve. Um, and it is like, I've been listening to it a lot over the past couple of weeks. It's like a, and it's very much a like, you know, the lyrical themes are very similar. Recognizing like this shit won't last forever. So fucking stop. Take a look around. Appreciate it. Appreciate this moment. And like have hearing, you know, time you waste in that lately, it's just been, you know, to your point earlier about getting, you know, caught in the feels. It hasn't brought me to tears yet, but I definitely like, it caused me like, for instance, even this morning, when most of my shit is around, like, I got to make Kieran's lunch. I got to get him dressed. I got to get him out of the house. And if we don't leave by now, I got to do this to get to work on time. And yeah, all that shit's fucking true. But like, we were listening to music and he was like, kind of like bebopping around while he like colored at the table. And I was like, fuck it. And I like sat down with him. You know what I mean? So we could do just like little shit like that. Like I am, this is not, this could all end today. But and even if we have the privilege of living like very long lives and dying of old age, we're not gonna have this for very long. Mm-hmm. So yeah, fuck it. I'm slowing yeah, down. Yeah, no, dude. I, I uh I sat with one of my managers while she had like a borderline breakdown the other day, realizing she's worked decades at a job for what? And uh like kind of had to a come to Jesus moment with her where I was like, dude, you gotta realize like this is there's more to life than your job. Amen. I realize it. I hate my job. That's why I hate my job. <laughs> like I like my work. I like yeah. the. I like what I do. I wish I did it less. I wish there was more hands to do it, and we and I could 
do it less often and be able to spend more time with my family and my friends. But again, yeah. like we shouldn't have to spend so much of our time toiling. We there's should not. A reason, there's a reason we have all this technology. Right. Or, or feeling like, you know, people that do things like bands make art, spend more time hanging out with their friends. Like the, the older I get, it feels like we become more of the exception. Yeah. You see so many people that just like don't have anything else except work. And yeah. And I mean, there's a reason yeah. why you look back and you go and, and there's a reason why people look at kids and they say, well, these are the best years of your life. Yeah. And it's like, why? <laughs> yeah. It's like, you're not in control of anything. You don't have, you know, like they, they shouldn't be, they should be, you should be having fun, but like, yeah, there's, but there's you can't no... reckon that you still should be doing that. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's... But instead you've got to get on TikTok and brag about working 65 hours a week and how people are bragging or are pissed off about having to work for 40 hours. They're pussies. I know. Dude. Like, no, dude, you're a fucking, you're a fucking cuck. Yeah. The, the, it's, it's exactly like what I was talking about earlier. Like when people are like other workers, other wages are like mad about somebody else, like getting a, a pay increase rather than being like, Hey, this is fucking good for all of us. More of it, you know? Um, the way that they've so successfully pitted worker against worker and and allowed, not allowed, but fostered so many people who tie their identity to getting exploited by their employer. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, and they're proud of that. Um, yeah, I fucking needed that reminder because I got a, she'll never, I got a boss right now that would, she, you know, I can step back. She has a, you mentioned, you know, talking to your manager or one of your managers, right? Mm -hmm. My, my current manager has a very unhealthy relationship with work. And it's one of those things where if I step back and just think about it, you know, from a human perspective, I have a lot of empathy for her because it's really sad, yeah. honestly. But when we're in the middle of it, and this is a person who like exercises power over me and they are like, after my working hours, sending me a bunch of messages about bullshit or like I'm waking up in the morning to seeing them having like given me more work to do overnight. I'm like, if you're just sick on your own, I feel bad for you. But if you're sick and you're intentionally trying to make me sick too, I'm angry. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so that's kind of how my shit's felt lately. Yeah, um, no, dude. And I, I legit, like, I, I feel you on this song. Like it's, that like I wrote down that line, time you'll miss is the time you waste. Like that is so real. And That's he so wrote this line. when he was so young. What is he like 21, 22? Yeah. Yeah. So fucking awesome, dude. And it's classic Justin, too. It's great, man. It's great. It's it's one thing I wrote is it's incredible how zeroed in he was this early. That early on, right? He had his voice. He'd really found his sound. And that's crazy because this song could have fit on four different of his records. It really could. I didn't think about like where it could fit, but I think you're so right, man. Yeah. Um, it's awesome. I'll... This is cool. This song's worth listening to. Harlan man's worth listening to. The cover's worth listening to. If you've gotten this far on this podcast, fucking you probably sing a, it's good to sing a jam, dude. It's an hour long. It's fun. It's an hour and 40 minutes long to be fair. But, oh, I uh... thought it was an hour and, 
Yeah, but that was like an hour twenty. If you've listened to this podcast, you've now officially been listening longer than this record is, so you have no excuse to not. It is an hour and forty minutes. I've listened to this thing like forty times. It's great, man. You got a great attention span. Um, I just work too much, bro. Yeah, I need to get. Yeah, fuck. I need I need more work time where I can listen to records. I'm like. Whatever. Fuck it. I'm not there right now. I don't want to think about it. Um, Next summer, my guy. Next summer, my guy. Next summer, man. This has been (laughs) fun, dude. Um, Hell yeah. So I'm glad we got to spend this time on Just an American Boy, not just because of these releases, the doc and and the live record, but also like the time this represents in Steve's career against the backdrop of everything that was going on in the country and the world and you know the the role that steve and his songs played like you know in media and pop culture at the moment and it still transcends dude it still transcends to today absolutely like Um, we did this at a crazy timing to relate it to so many things in our current time but it's uh it's his music's timeless dude it straight up is yeah absolutely i mean and speaking of not wanting to waste any more time. Hopefully Steve still has many, many more years ahead of him and he's still healthy and touring, but don't take dudes like him for granted, man. No, um, absolutely not. We And we need, we need another Duke's record, man. I know we, need another Duke's record. we really do. Um, well, all right. Thanks for listening, friends. Take care of each other. Thank you.